We are glad that you joined us today. God wants to do so much for you and through you, and we want to hear about it. If you've been impacted by Fuel Church, share your story with us by emailing mystory at thefuelchurch.com. And to learn more about our worship experiences, visit our website at www.thefuelchurch.com. Thanks again for joining us. We hope you enjoy today's message. Today I want to um, answer this question, and I want to do my best to answer this next question, and that's this. How do I become a godly parent? How do I become a godly parent? A little disclaimer here before we get into it. I am a parent, along with my wife Tara, of, of three kids, ages 14, 10, and 8. Two girls and one boy, and uh, two dogs, by the way. So I'm a parent of five now. We just added a new addition to our house. Pray for us, okay? Uh, my wife and I were doing uh, the best to raise our kids in a godly home, but um, we're not perfect, and neither are our kids. Um, and sometimes they act like they are possessed. With what? I don't know, but you know what I'm talking about if you have kids. And I'm here to tell you that we have moments of very intense uh, fellowship in our home, very intense moments of fellowship in our home, and even in the car rides, uh, some as recent as this morning. <laughs> yeah, it did happen. It always happens, you know, whatever I preach on, I deal with usually the week or two weeks prior. You know, it's funny, I'm preaching about parenting, and in the last two days, it's like all hell breaks loose in our house. I'm like, okay, I stink. I have no right to get up there and tell them how to parent. I've blown it. <laughs> Let's get another message here. But anyway, a um, little disclaimer, we, we, we are doing our best. Uh, I'm not an expert by any means, by any means. Um, some of you in here have a lot more experience in raising kids than my wife and I do. Uh, and some of you in here have raised godly kids who have gone on to be successful in their adult life and and uh, followed the ways of God. Uh, but what I do want to do in our time together is look to some godly principles that have helped us, and I hope they will help you. Um, for some of you in here, you're, you're going to hear this message, and uh, you, you may lean towards the emotion of feeling condemned or, or uh, because of what you're doing wrong, or you may feel guilty and try to beat yourself up. And I want to encourage you not to do that. I want to encourage you not to do that. Um, because this is for us to see where we're at as far as parenting and for us to take some steps to become better, okay, to become better. Uh, for those who are not parents, um, I believe this message will help you and encourage you. Um, if you're grandparents, if you're aunts and uncles, if, if you're single and ready to mingle, then throw up your hand and all the single people look around. Maybe we can match you up. I'm just kidding. But... Uh, I believe this can help everyone because we all deal in some sort with children, and maybe you're in the educational system, or maybe you, uh, you know, hang out with your nieces and nephews, or maybe you're a grandparent raising your grandkids, um, and, and so I believe this message will help you. I want to help you today, okay? My goal is to help you today to become better. That's my goal every Sunday, to help you to take steps to become a better Christ follower. Is that okay? Okay. So, so with this thought, how do I become a godly parent? Here's what I want to do in, in, in our next 30 minutes here. I want to give you four types of parenting, four types of parenting mistakes that are prevalent in our culture, 
And then I want to tie some scriptures to them, and, and hopefully it will encourage you. Now, these four types of parenting mistakes that we're going to cover, um, I can honestly say that I've made all four. I've made all four. I've been there. And so as this word comes forth, you're not going to want to shout and give an extra offering today. I can guarantee you that. You could hear crickets in the first service. Crickets. My Lord, it was quiet in here. But you're the rowdy bunch, so I'm sure you're going to get a little excited when you feel the Holy Spirit correcting you, okay? <laughs> Hit your neighbor and say, lighten up, neighbor. I know it's raining, but lighten up. But uh, here's what I want to do. I want to give you these four parenting mistakes, and I've... I've I've narrowed it down to four. I'm sure there's a whole lot more, and, and uh, I'm sure you can identify with them as I can identify with them, and um, I've made a lot of mistakes in parenting. I mean, they never gave us really a manual on this thing. Um, if, you, if you have one, let me know. I know the Word of God is, is something we go to, and that's what we're going to do today, but um, I've never done this before, right? <laughs> and so I'm learning as we go, and here's a few things that I've learned. The first group of parents that I want to talk about are the helicopter parents. Oh, can I talk about the helicopter parents? They like to hover. They love to hover over their children, right? Uh, they're the ones at the playground. Their child is 17, but going over the monkey bars, and they're underneath ready to catch him. You know that parent. You've seen them, right? Uh, the, the, the helicopter parents are the overschedulers, right? They cram so much into their kid's life that their kid is like, where am I going next? Just get in the minivan, right? We're grabbing McDonald's on the way. What are we doing, Mom? What are we doing, Dad? They, they want them in everything and want them to succeed in everything, and everything is a competition because my child's got to be the best, right? Helicopter parenting. Uh, they're the problem solvers. They love to solve everything for their kids and make every decision for them. They actually don't even make their kids clean their rooms. They do it for them. They do it for them. And, and, and it, it's going to get real quiet in here as we continue, so I'm enjoying your feedback right now because it's just going to get better and better. And, and, and so they, 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 they dress them at age 17. Come on. They, they bail them out of everything. Everything is everyone else's uh, fault. It's never their kid. Their kid can do no wrong. Oh, you want me to go back to the Poconos. You want me to go back on vacation. <laughs> Uh, uh, they're the entertainers. So, so, so he, they're always giving something to their kid to entertain them, right? Take the screen. And when the screen is done, when the, the device is done, then we got to do something else. And, and so they think they're, they're called to be an entertainment business, right, for their kids. And they always got to have them doing something fun, right? And so it's just one thing after another, one thing after another. And I, I know no one intends to on ruining their child's life by being a helicopter parent, but the truth is you're hurting them by being overprotective, by being overprotective. And here's the downside to helicopter parenting is this. Helicopter children are entitled children. Mm -hmm. and this is a big problem actually right now in the workforce today because in our homes we're teaching our kids that the world revolves around them. Little Johnny, the world revolves around you. And we've given little Johnny and little Susie everything in life. Everything they've wanted, we've handed it to them without a price, right? And, and, and so, so, so we, tell, we tell our kids that, that I am your slave and um, I'm here to answer every beck and call that you have and that there are no consequences for your mistakes because if they make a mistake, we just cover them. 
We just cover them for them and we cater to them. But the world doesn't operate that way. So when little Johnny and little Susie go out into the world and and experience it, they begin to flip out when someone tells them no. You can't do that. They flip out when they get their first job and they say you have to clock in by this time and this is the time frame you're going to have your lunch break and this is the time you're going to clock out and here's what you're going to do. And little Johnny doesn't like that because he had a helicopter parent who always told him what he wanted to hear and always gave him what he wanted. Are we ready to dismiss already on the first point? I'm there. I've done this. I'm not, you know, I've been through this. I've been that helicopter parent, right? And, 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 and so, so they can't handle it. And so within three hours of their first job, they quit. They can't keep a job. So we have a generation who, who, who doesn't want to submit to anybody because they've never been taught uh, to, uh, what authority is in the home. They don't want to submit to anybody. They don't want to be told that you got to do this and you got to do that in order to get a paycheck. Why? Because the paycheck's always been handed to them without doing anything to get it. Helicopter parenting. Here's what we need to teach them. Here's what we need to teach them. If we find ourselves parenting this way, we need to teach them that there are consequences for your actions. We need to teach them that. Like, like they're consequent. When you do this, there's going to be consequences. I mean, I understand that some of you were raised in a home with no father, maybe no mother. Uh, some of you were raised in a very dysfunctional environment, and, and, and I get that. And so you got some really bad learned behavior, and, and you don't even know what a godly home looks like. You don't even know what it means to be a godly parent. And I get that, and I get that. And, I, and it's challenging enough. It's challenging enough. I was raised in a great home and had godly parents, but I can't imagine for those of you out there and those listening who, who were raised in an ungodly environment and didn't have a dad there and didn't have someone to teach you uh, values and didn't have someone to teach you a work ethic and, and didn't teach you God's word. And, and, and so, so I don't want you to beat yourself up today. I want you, I want you to lean in and, and let's, all, let's all just admit we've been there. Let's all just admit we've been there and, and that we can take some steps to be a better parent. Amen? And here's the thing. God's word says this, Galatians 6, 7. Do not be deceived. God cannot be mocked. A man reaps what he sows. We need to teach our kids, whatever you sow, you're going to reap. See, this isn't just talking about finances. We think that a lot in the church, and that's part of it. But it's, listen, if you sow a bad attitude, you're going to reap it. If, if you're a jerk to somebody, someone's going to be a jerk to you. Right? Right? If you're not kind to others, if you don't have no joy, guess what? People are going to come around you that aren't kind to you. And, and so we got to teach our kids, whatever you sow, you're going to reap. Now, the world has a term for it called karma, but God already had it uh, trademarked way before that. It's the principle of sowing and reaping. Whatever you sow, you're going to reap back into your life. It's coming back. It's coming back to you. And, and so we need to teach our kids both the negative and the positive things that, we, uh, that they sow will come back to their life. It will come back to their life. There are consequences. I love what Luke 16.10 says. Jesus said this, if you're faithful in the little things, you will be faithful in large ones. But if you are dishonest in little things, you won't be honest with greater responsibilities. We need to teach our kids to be faithful with the small things. Can you you clean up the vanity in the bathroom and get all the toothpaste off? Come on, somebody. If you can do that, then you can have screen time. We call it screen time in our house. Okay, Then you can get on the iPod or the iPhone for an hour, whatever it is. Right? Be faithful. we got to teach our kids to be faithful. Why, if we don't, they'll never appreciate anything. 
So we've handed them everything in life, and so it has no value to them because it was just handed to them. And there is no consequences when we don't take care of the little we have because we know that we're going to get something right behind this coming that's bigger and better. Hmm? And so, 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 so parents need to give and teach them responsibility at a young age while the stakes are low. The stakes are low at a young age, but when they get out of your home, the stakes are high. Let them fail in the home. Let them fall down in the home, right? Teach them responsibility. So how can I be a godly parent? Number one is teach them responsibility. Teach your kids responsibility. Let them learn. Let them grow. Let them fall down and let them experience some pain. We want to bubble wrap our kids. We're the generation of just bubble wrap them. And uh, you know what? We don't want our kids to feel any hurt that we felt growing up. We don't want them to experience any bad things. Can I tell you, in this world, you will have pain. You will have sorrow. You will have people that hate your guts. You will. But Jesus said, be of good cheer because I already overcame the world, right? So our kids need to experience that because 18, 19 years, they're in our home and then they're gone. Right? And we're going to talk about that later on. I'm getting ahead of myself. So the second group of parenting we see is this. The lawnmower parents. The lawnmower parents. You ready for this? The lawnmower parents. They are the extreme of helicopter parenting. Right? The difference is helicopter parents rescue their children from everything that could be a problem. But lawnmower parents remove the obstacle so the children never encounter it. They cut it out before they ever see it coming. Lawnmower parent, they cut it out before their kids ever see it coming. You know who I'm talking about. You've seen him on your street a few weeks ago. Little, little Johnny was riding his bike for the first time, and his dad wrapped him in four feet of bubble wrap. You know what I'm talking about. You know what I'm talking. You were you you you, you know what I'm talking about. When 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 the child is in a full body wetsuit to go to the splash pad. You know what I'm talking about. You you know you went to the Kokomo Beach and you seen that kind of parent because their kid when they showed up they turned a different color. Yeah, because they dumped the whole bottle of sunscreen on their kid and they walked out looking like a ghost come on now like had a skin grab like michael jackson like you was like whoa right that, that that's what i'm talking about like 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 they're the parents that when their kid is struggling at school or in a subject they'll do the homework for them they're the parent that the, the, the kid is in trouble all the time causing problems in the class, but they go to the principal, they go to the teacher, and they tell them it's everyone else that's causing my child to misbehave. No, it's your child. He got a demon. Cast it out. I'm going to take off next week, too. Forget about it. Huh? See, see, when I was growing up, they used to have these type of playgrounds, right? Everything in the playground was made of metal. Stay with me. And when I went to the playground, they had this little bubble thing that looked like a little spacecraft. You know what I'm talking about? 
And we would climb up on this little bubble thing all made of metal. And we'd get to the top and we'd try to push each other through the little holes in the little bubble. And we'd fall seven, eight feet, man. We'd crack our head. We'd get a bruise. We'd be bleeding. And it was okay. But now, everything in the playground is made of this rubber stuff. Because we don't want our kids to get a boo-boo. God forbid that our kids are in pain. I'm not done talking about the playground. Because back when I was on the playground, they had metal slides. And when, when it was 100 degrees out, you went down that sign, you burnt your ass. It built some character in you. It did. And, 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 and nowadays, oh my gosh, God forbid we put anything like that in the playgrounds. We, 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 we got to be protective of our kids. My God. My God. Cover them with all kinds of stuff. And, 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 and we don't want them to get hurt. You see, you see lawnmower parents don't want their kids to experience heartache, pain of any form. Or any difficulty. So what do they do? They go to the extreme. And they try to prevent anything they see as a problem. A situation that could cause pain. And they, what they end up doing is micromanaging their kids. And they try to map out every step of their kid's life. Ever since a newborn. And then they get 10. And they're still mapping out. This is what you're going to do. This is what you're going to be. This, this is how you're going to do it. And they, and they try to map out every detail for them. They try to map up every day. My kids, at, my, my kids all the time are talking about what they're going to do when they're older, right? I want to do this. And, you know, it changes every other week, right? So she had a young age. I want to be a doctor, and I want to be a vet, and I want to be this, and I want to be a teacher, and all this. And, I, and my wife and I tell them, listen, you do whatever you feel God tells you to do. As long as you put God first, he will bless your life. Mommy and Daddy will be proud of you if you're serving God in whatever he calls you to do. I'm not here to map out my kid's life. I'm not here to tell them you're going to be this. I'm not here to live my dream through them because I miss mine. Let that sink in. Because that's what happens. And when we become these control freak, because we didn't become that. We didn't become that. So now we're going we're gonna to mold and shape. And we're going to be this dictator that forces our kid to become the dream that we wanted to become. It's getting quiet up in this Presbyterian church. <laughs> see, see, the heart of trying to protect your kids, uh, the heart of it is it, when you're a lawnmower parent, the heart is to protect him. But the problem or the result of this kind of lawnmower parenting is this. It's this, which you're now seeing on college campuses all over the nation. Yeah, yeah, because here's what happens when you lawnmower parenting. I don't know if you know, but our country is in a little turmoil right now. And, and, and young adults in college campuses all over our nation, they're crying and they're falling apart because they've encountered somebody that doesn't have the same ideology or belief system as them. Why? Because they were under a lawnmower parenting. They were under that for many years. And so what, what has happened is they've never experienced anyone that believes different than them. And they were told that that belief system that they were raising is the only way. And if, if, if anybody believes different than you, then you got to come against that, right? This is what they've been told. And when someone thinks different than them or looks different than them, they, or someone doesn't see the, the view uh, their way, 
And when they encounter opposition, here's what they do. They throw a big adult temper tantrum. They're big babies with diapers on. That's what they are. And so they're, they're boycotting. They're holding up signs and they're burning college campuses and they're getting professors fired because that professor doesn't believe like them. And they're rioting. Oh, I'm trying to help you, but this is the result of it. This is the result of this kind of parenting. Because little Johnny was always told, you're, you're the man. You're, you're number one. Little Johnny was, was, was never told he, he didn't win. Nowadays, everybody gets a trophy and a ribbon. You were 0-22. You stink. You don't get a trophy. I'm sorry. You don't even get a shirt or a Pizza Hut buffet for that. But no, no, no. Everybody, everybody's a winner. No, everybody ain't a winner. It's good for your kids and my kids to lose once in a while so they can experience what it's like to lose, so they can act in a godly manner when they lose, so it can build some character within them. But we got a trophy for everybody. Your kid rode the bench all season. We love them. We support them. But this is not their gifting. It's not. They're going to be in the NBA. No, they're not. They're not. I'm sorry to burst your bubble. They're not going to be in the NBA. Right? And, and, and so this is the result that comes from lawnmower parenting. And here's what, here, here's what God's word says. I love this, Romans 5, 3, and 4. But we also glory in our sufferings because we know that suffering produces perseverance. Perseverance, character. And character, hope. What's the hope for us as parents? That one day when they're 30, they move out of our basement. <laughs> That's the hope. That's the hope. Come on. We don't want them eating our food, living in our basement at 33. Jesus. Huh? And so the scripture says, hey, hey, the only way character can be built is if your kids go through some stuff. Go through some pain. You see, you see, you see, you see, uh, uh, there are some things that only the school of hard knocks can teach your kids. So if you do everything for them all the way up until they leave your house at 18 or 19, they're not going to build any character in their life. And character brings hope to their life. It gives them a purpose. It gives them a desire. It gives them a future, Right? And, and, and so, so it's healthy for our kids to not always win. It's healthy for them to not always have everything handed to them. And it's healthy for us to say this word. And for some of you, it's a curse word. No. Amen. You thought I cursed. I didn't. <laughs> no. You can't do that. No. You can't go there. No. Well, why? Because I said so. If we had a dollar for every time we said that, we'd be rich, parents, <laughs> because I said so. I would tell my, they're throwing a fit over this or that. Well, when you move out, you can make those decisions. But when you're under my roof, you're eating my, my uh, pizza rolls. Come on, drinking my soda. Come on now, soaking up my air, my heat. Come on now, sleeping in my bed. You're going to do what I say. Thank you very much. Come again. <laughs> right, right. So we need to teach our kids. We need to teach our kids the value of a dollar. 
Man, when we hand them stuff and give them every one of their desires and wants, we're not teaching them the value of a dollar. Come on now. I got my kids doing chores, man. <laughs> They're contributing to the household. Every member of the family, including the new dog, is going to contribute. His is in a different form. And it doesn't smell too good, but he's contributing. <laughs> it's true. And, and so we're teaching our kids, listen, this is what a household does. This is what you do. You're going to clean your room. You're going to help mom with the dishes. You're going to help folding the laundry. You're going to help clean. Some of you are like, oh, I never have my kids do that. Well, you just got to start somewhere. Start teaching them. Well, my kids, I asked them. They would never do that. Your kids don't know what they want. Come on now. They don't know that what they want. They think they can stay up till midnight and wake up for school at 7. They don't know what they want. They don't want to eat broccoli and peas and fruits and veggies. Come on. They don't know what they want. That's why it's our job to train them in the ways they should go. That's why it's our job to be the parent that God has called us to be, to teach them responsibility. Huh? Proverbs 22, 6, I love it. Train children to live the right way, and when they're old, they will not stray from it. Train them to live the right way. It's your job, dad, mom, grandparents, aunts. It it takes a village, right? It takes a village to raise these kids. And it's our job and responsibility to train them, to mold them, to shape them, to teach them responsibility. So, so, So our second job to be a godly parent is train them proactively. Train them proactively. Train them proactively. So here's our third type of parenting is etch-a-sketch parenting. How many ever had an etch-a-sketch? Yeah, yeah, that little etch-a-sketch, that thing was fun. Now now we got this and stuff, and we don't need etch-a-sketch. But but the whole purpose was the etch-a-sketch is to turn the knobs and to do what? Make, Make the lines, right? You remember it. But as soon as you would shake that thing, what would happen? Boom. Lines would disappear, and uh, to be honest with you, some of us parent that way. I know I have, and uh, we have these lines, these boundaries that we set, and when life gets all shaken up, when life throws us a curveball, we tend to move the lines. We tend to move and change the boundaries. Are you with me? We tend to change the boundaries because it's it's really easy to change them. It's, It's convenient to change them when, 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 when maybe something's going on in the home or something's going on in the marriage and life throws your house a curveball and, and you're just like, just whatever, whatever, just do it, right? It, it's convenient to move those lines. And, and he, here's the thing in our home, here's the thing in our home. Um, um, we can't be a military general one day and a cruise ship director the next. Can I talk about this? Because especially early on, and I still tend to lean towards this, I'm the military general, and most, most fathers are, most fathers. And my wife is the cruise ship director. Yay! <laughs> Umbrella drinks on me! <laughs> right? And, 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 and so she's more, she's functioning in her role, and you know what? That's not a bad thing, right? But I'll lean towards more of the, the general. I, I'll, I'll be this 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 military general, and I can be real stern, and it's black and white to me, right? I know none of you parent that way, but let me talk about me. And so I've learned to try to find a middle ground here. I've learned to try, try to find a middle ground because, because kids require consistency. 
They need consistency in the home. If you're flip-flopping, if you're always moving the lines in one minute, one minute it's like they're in Alcatraz, right? They're locked up. Come on, at the rock. Welcome to the rock. I love that movie. And, uh, you know, the next moment, the next moment, they're, they're in cruise director mode, and they're just running amok up in that house, and they run in the house. You don't even know what just happened, but there are spaghetti-os and meatballs all over the ceiling, and your house is crazy right now, right? And, and, and so they need consistency. We need balance between the military general and the cruise director, and we need to set boundaries and not move them. And when they step over them, there needs to be discipline. Did he just say the D word? Yep. <laughs> Discipline. Uh, the Bible's very clear. It says, spare the rod, spoil the child. Now, whatever form of discipline that you lean towards, whether it is spanking, some people are like, I'll never spank my child. That's fine. Um, but whatever form you choose, whether it's taking something away, time out, whatever. I didn't have time out growing up. The only thing I had was knocked out. So, 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 so the board was my best friend, and it hit my backside. Take a woman whooping from the backside, right? And uh, I had plenty of them, and they didn't, they, they hurt me at the time, but they helped me later on in life. They really did, and I'm thankful for them, except for the one time when I hid the board and dad took his belt off. That time was not a good experience, and I, I threatened to call the child abuse hotline on him, and you know what he said? Here's the phone, I'll dial the number. Scarred me for life, I'm still in counseling, but pray for you, boy. And so, so, so we need discipline in the home, whatever form you choose, just form some, have something, but the little four-minute timeouts that you give little Johnny because he cursed out the whole school, um, four minutes, you're off of your iPhone, little Johnny, that's really not helping him. Yeah, he's the one that we have problems with in kids' class. Moving right along, moving right along. <laughs> sorry, I'm sorry, I'm sorry. I, that was supposed to stay, that was a bubble in my head and it came out. I'm sorry, I'm sorry, I'm sorry. Because here's the thing, here's the thing, when we, we, we're an etch-a-sketch parent, we raise etch, etch-a-sketch kids that are confused. They don't know. They don't, they don't know what they're going to get from you. They don't know if the, th- the boundaries are going to be moved or whatever. And most of the time in those type of homes, the kids rule the home and they run the home, not the parents. Can I tell you, mother, father, grandparents, if you're raising your grandkids, if you're raising kids you've adopted, whatever the case is, can I tell you that you are to run your home, not the kids run the home? Can I tell you it's your responsibility to run that home in the way that it should go. And you need to stop living in fear of upsetting your kids when you tell them, no, it's not going to be that way. Hmm? Listen, there is a battle raging for the control of your home. And parents, we must win this decisively. We must win it. My, par- my kids are not going to run my home. Huh? They're not going to run a muck in my home. They do whatever they want and say whatever they want, and act however they want. If you have that kind of home, you have a whole lot of chaos, confusion, and absolutely no peace in your home or in your marriage. And you end up resenting your kids. That's what happens when they run it and they take control of it. We end up resenting our kids. And uh, last I checked, your, your kids don't need you to be their best friend. 
I get a kick out of parents on social media. Hashtag my best friend. Really? It's not healthy. It's not healthy. They need you to be the best mom, the best dad you can be, but not their best friend. Right? Because a best friend is someone who just has fun all the time with them. And you're not going to have fun with me all the time. Why? Because I have a job. I have to mold and shape and train you, and that hurts sometimes. So you can't be my best friend. Now, when they get older and they're out of your home, okay, okay, you can have a little different relationship. But I'm older and out of my home, and you know what? My parents still bring correction to me at times. Yep. Just ask my mama. She did a few weeks ago. But you shouldn't say that next time from the pulpit. You know, right away, I'm like, I'm two months from 40 years old. What's my mama telling me that? And then I thought that, but I never said that. <laughs> I said, yes, mom. <laughs> yes, mom. I'm sorry. I shouldn't have said that. Right? Proverbs 13, 24. I love it. If you do not punish your children, you don't love them. But if you love your children, you will correct them. So this is the Bible. Is that in the Bible? Is this a trick Bible? You don't even love your kids if you don't punish them. If you don't correct them, if you don't bring correction to them. Right? Because you're in best friend mode. So you don't want to spank them, whatever form of discipline. You don't want to ground them for a week. You don't want to tell them no TV for the night. I mean, you think the world is ending. Like, if you tell them no TV. Right? And so the Bible says you need to discipline them. And here's what it comes down to. If you're Etch-A-Sketch parent, it's really lazy parenting. It comes down to being a lazy parent because you do whatever is easier at the time. Okay? So we want to move from that type of parenting, and, and, and we want to learn this if, if we feel like we're, we're running that, down that lane is this, that we need to discipline them consistently. Discipline them consistently. The fourth type of parent, and we'll wrap this up today, is this, earthly-focused parents. Earthly focused parents. They profess Christianity, but they raise their kids like atheists. They say Jesus is Lord and the local church is important. And they say they believe the Bible. And they, 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 they say the scriptures and following Jesus are a way of life, but they never model it. They come to church once in a while whenever it's convenient, really, whenever they feel like it, but their kids don't see it modeled Monday through Saturday, what their parents are professing in their lives, and usually when we see earthly-focused parenting, we see that activities and sports, they rule over anything that has to do with God, and they become number one, and in our lives, and these things aren't evil in themselves. I believe in sports and activities. I think they're good to build character, and, but uh, they're not going to consume my family's life because God is going to be number one. And this house is built on God. He's building this house, and, and, and if it doesn't work out with the schedule that we have, then no, you can't be in it this semester or this year. But, but earthly-focused parenting ends up with some, with, with us forfeiting spiritual habits and teaching our kids that Christ is not a priority. Christ is not a priority. You're the priority and your friends and the birthday parties and all this and I'm for all that. Hear me now. 
But when it reigns superior over Christ in the home, it becomes a problem for us. And it sends a very strong message to our kids that we worship God and we go to church and we follow Christ only out of convenience. Only out of convenience. We attend God's house only out of convenience. It's not really a lifestyle for us. It's a matter of convenience. And a lot of times these types of parents sacrifice their relationship with Christ on the altar of their child's success and the altar of wanting to be popular and liked by their kids. Here's the thing. One day, your kids, my kids, will be out of our house. They'll be gone. They'll be living their own life. They'll be off to college. They'll get married. They'll have their own families. And let me tell you this. They will remember most what you valued spiritually in the home more than anything else. And, and, it's the most important thing because it will stay with them and it will be what they need the most. It will be what they lean into the most because they will constantly find themselves in a spiritual battle. And if you don't teach them spiritual principles, if you don't have God first as a priority, they will fail when it comes to these battles. Psalms 127, I love it. If the Lord doesn't build the house, the builders are working for nothing. If God's not number one, why are we doing it? Why are we doing it? It goes on to say in this scripture, verse number three, it says, Behold, the children are a heritage from the Lord, a gift from the Lord, the fruit of the womb, a reward, and I love this part, like arrows in the hand of a warrior, so are the children of one's youth. So check this out. You get 17, 18, 19 years with that child to mold and to shape them. They're arrows according to God's word. But then the Bible says, parents, mighty warrior, mighty man of God, mighty woman of God, mighty grandparent that are raising kids. One day, that arrow is going to leave your side. And you're going to shoot them out into this world. You're going to shoot them out into their destiny. They're going to leave your house. They're going to be gone. And what they're going to remember most is what you instilled spiritually into them. And what they're going to need the most is those spiritual principles and habits. I'm for a good work ethic. I love it. My parents taught me a great work ethic. I'm for that. I'm for having, teaching them responsibility, what we talked about. But this, my friend, is the most important point of the whole sermon. And it's this. It's this. That my goal My goal as a father, my goal as a parent of three is not for my kids to be successful, is not for them to make millions of dollars, is not for them to drive a nice car. My number one goal for my kids is to prepare them for heaven. Prepare them for heaven. Everything else after that is a bonus. Everything else after that. I want them to be successful. I want them to work hard, have nice things. I'm for that. But if they miss heaven, oh my gosh. I do nothing if they become a success and miss heaven. I do nothing as a father, as a parent. So my encouragement to you, if you find yourself being earthly focused, my encouragement to you is focus them on eternity. 
focus them on eternity and focus them on hearing God's voice in their life. Focus them on that. Because our actions and our disciplines, spiritual disciplines in the home, speak way louder than our voices and our words. Speak way louder to our children. So, to wrap it up, to be a godly parent, the four things we need to do is we need to teach them responsibility, number one. Number two is we need to train them proactively. Number three, we need to discipline them consistently. Number four, we need to focus them on eternity. Stand with me today. Hey, thanks for listening today. And maybe you're out there and maybe you feel far from God today. Maybe life has thrown you a curveball. You've taken some wrong turns. You've messed up. I'm here to tell you about God's love for your life. You know, it's real and it's for you. And and no matter what you've done, no matter where you've gone, God is there. His love is unconditional. And and the Bible says that if you just confess with your mouth, believe in your heart, you're saved. And I'm going to lead you through a prayer. And I just believe that if you say this prayer and mean it with your heart, the Bible says you're saved. And I want to encourage you to tell somebody about this decision. But just wherever you're at, just say, God, I ask you to forgive me of my sins. Come into my life. Change me in Jesus' name. It's simple as that. And I encourage you to find a good local church. If if you can get to Fuel Church, get here. God is moving. God is doing some great things in the lives and families of the people that come here. But find a good church where you can grow in God. Until next time, God bless you. Have a great week.